Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Tommy Bowles. And I'm your other way cooler host, Matt. And you are listening to the best show on the internet. Your home for entertainment, education, and best of all, honest music reviews. basically the best thing ever because you are listening to Just the Basics. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to us. I really hope you enjoyed that intro. That guitar solo there is played by Matt Shaw sitting over here. Uh-huh. I if you guys if you enjoyed that and you want to go ahead and collaborate with us and get involved a little bit, head over to justabasics.com, fill out the form there and you can go ahead and we'll send you the music and the chart so you can go ahead and send your recording in and get go ahead and get featured on our show here. So yeah, go ahead and check that out and let us know what you think and get involved. We want to hear from you guys just as much as apparently you want to hear from us because you guys keep tuning in. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this week is going to be the ultimate shootout from, from a bass player's perspective. I guess if you don't play bass, you might not care. Uh, we're going to do the jazz bass versus the P bass. Does it really matter? What's the difference between them? Which one should you play? Uh, before we get too far into it, though, I want you to go ahead and listen to these clips. I'm going to play the same lick on two different bases, and at the end of the show, we will tell you which one was which and see if you got it right. Base number All right, so I hope you have your guests locked in because this is going to be a fun one. And maybe you don't have your guests locked in, but there's always a rewind button. So, hey. There's not a fast forward button. Yeah, don't skip to the end. That's cheating. Come on, guys. Yeah, no cheating. You need to learn along the way, you know. Just This is what this is about. We're not talking about albums in this one. We're going to teach you something. Yeah, we're actually going to have some fun learning some stuff together. Next week, we'll, uh, we're going to talk about Childish Gambino, so check that one out for sure. But what what is the difference between these two instruments? Don't you ask me. Don't you do that to me. Not at the start of the episode. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty simple. It's all about the sound and the feel between the two of them. Uh, the P bass is like the originator, I guess you'd say. It was the first one. 
It was made in 1951. It's basically, it has been, and I would say probably still is, like the de facto, de facto go-to base for most styles of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it is making a comeback right now. So like it did go away from the the P base and go toward the J base, but it's coming back because it has a really full sound. Uh, it doesn't have like the the higher range, the high more of the highs in the in the sound that you would hear in the jazz base. Right. And so because of that, it tends to sit in the mix a little bit better in that low mid range where you need it in pop music and country and rock and that sort of thing. You hear P basses a lot with flat wounds, flat wound strings. So, like, if you ever, uh, if you play guitar or bass, you should know the difference between the two. Your round wound string has like those little ridges on it and makes that kind of shwing, 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 shwing sound when you rub your fingers across them. It's super annoying when you hear that through the speakers. Uh-huh. Uh, the flat wound strings are what you would find on like a violin or an upright bass or cello where they're smooth. Flat wound strings sound really dead in comparison to round wounds, but that dead sound really sits in the mix really, really well, and it sounds really good, especially on a vintage P bass. Like that is a perfect sound, but I guarantee you that. Well, I shouldn't guarantee you because everybody's different, but I get bored playing flat wound strings in my room practicing because the sound is just very lifeless. But in the studio, they sound really, really good. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's. It's kind of interesting how that works. Uh, one of the biggest differences between the two as far as a feel perspective is the neck on them. So P basses are known for like the really wide necks and the really heavy alder body basses that are just, they weigh a ton. They've got the huge body and the wide neck and... People like to play them with the strings action set kind of high and dig in with a pick or with their fingers, whatever. Uh, I don't like P-Bass necks, personally. They are they just feel kind of clunky. I can guarantee that if it's a wide neck, I'm not going to enjoy it either. I don't like them too narrow because then it starts to feel like a, a strat where you'll break it like a toothpick. But when it comes to bass, like my, uh, my fretless, I don't feel like it's that wide. In fact... I think like multiple people picked it up and asked if it's a um what's a a short scale um which I don't think it is but it still has a fair uh the uh the court oh it's not a short scale no it just has a real thin neck yeah so that that it works for me a lot better mostly because I'm a guitarist so obviously I'm gonna prefer a thinner neck and I don't want to have to reach really far when those strings are much larger than my fingers are used to anyway so it helps for me to be able to judge the distance between the strings. And then it's like, cause I have a five string Warwick and with that one, it still works out. Okay. Only even though the neck is kind of wide to accommodate that fifth string. It, um, it's fine just because my fingers just are not used to reaching that far. So I barely ever hit that fifth string due to that just doesn't feel natural to reach that far. I could if I learned it, but yeah, I focus practice time on other things. Yeah, things that you do regularly. <laughs> yes, which is why recordings of my bass playing are kind of okay. <laughs> ah, that's okay, that's what you got me for. Yeah. Your court, though, uh, is a little different because it's it's a thinner neck, but it's mostly because it's flat on the back. So it, well, Indeed. not completely flat, but like, 
a pea base has a really curved back of the neck. And so it feels thicker in your hand. I mean, it is thicker, but also that big curve. Uh, but it's like that for a reason. It's because this being the first electric bass, I mean, 1951 is when they came around. You had to have that because you're, com- well, I sh- sh- you shouldn't have, you didn't have to have that. But that thicker neck uh, was preferred because all these guys are coming from upright bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Jamerson and these guys, because when you're playing upright bass, that is a fat neck on those things. And just a giant fretboard in general at least right comparison to feel like when you uh used to play upright yeah when you used to play that and i give it a go it it's just a totally different monster mm-hmm. yeah it makes you work for it it definitely makes you work for it but it's fun I, I like that it's such a physical instrument it makes it more satisfying in a way when you get the right notes to play mm-hmm. uh but this uh the p bass it gets its name because of the type of pickup that's on it. It's called a precision pickup. So in 1951, when it was made, they are it was a one single coil pickup that was kind of roughly halfway between the bridge and the, the bottom of the neck, which worked fine. It got a, a full sound, but didn't get the real high sound. Like uh, Same thing on guitar. When you switch to the bridge pickup, you get more of the trebly sound. When you switch to the neck, you get more of the warmer sound. Mm-hmm. This was the same reason why they kind of placed it where they did. Uh, the problem with putting it there is that it hummed, or with the single coils that it hummed. And so if you went to a room with fluorescent lighting, it would buzz. Or if you go to any recording studio anywhere, if you're not touching the strings, it's just going to buzz like crazy. Uh-huh. So even open notes, like a like a sustained note, we'll start to hear buzzing. So... In 1957, they switched it to a split coil, and it has the look that you now see today, where you see a stubby little pickup, followed by a stubby little pickup that are touching each other, but not in a line. They're kind of offset a little bit. Uh, that's to cancel the hum. So that's why those don't don't buzz like that. Uh, if you notice at a concert that you're hearing a buzz coming from the bass amp, a lot of times it'll be a jazz bass. That makes sense. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So P basses are really good in a studio or like if you are doing like a pit orchestra or something like that where you can't have any buzz at all. They can be like they can be lifesavers there. Right. I mean, that's the same thing with uh, like a Strat mm-hmm. with the single coil. Of course, they've worked to eliminate that anymore because they figured out pretty quickly once the Les Paul and its humbuckers uh, got rid of that. That it was a downside if you weren't playing heavier rock sounds that, you know, it's just not preferable to have your instrument buzzing all the time. Every couple of uh, moments where you stop playing and exactly, it's like if you could actually hear the background noises, if we didn't get rid of it in this podcast, it would drive you nuts. But we get rid of it just for you. Yeah, we don't want it to sound like a strat. No, not at all. It's annoying. The buzzing sound is annoying. Uh, I mean, I, I can get a lot more detailed about how these pickups work. It's it's pretty interesting. Like, one of them is magnetized north and the other one south so that they, they make it like a circuit. And then when they wind the metal on them, they wind them in opposite directions to make it work better. And then they run them in series, basically meaning both pickups work together. You don't have a separate volume knob for your, I, 
I mean, it's basically it's supposed to work like one pickup. You don't have two separate volume knobs to make it work the right way. Right. Um, one thing I did not know about it is the them being offset like that is actually for a really good reason. It helps widen the the tonal capabilities that you can get. If they weren't offset, if they were just next to each other, you wouldn't be able to get as much of the highs. Because think about it, the 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 way they look. If you ever seen a picture of a P bass, you'll see the uh, the pickup that's tall, that's higher, closer to the neck than the other one, is on the lower strings, and the pickup mm-hmm. that's closer to the bridge is on the higher strings. And since it's so far up the neck, in order to not have those high notes just not make any sound at all, offsetting it puts it a little bit closer to the bridge, so you get a little bit more of that trebly tone out of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. I never would have guessed that. I just thought that they stuck them on there because it looked cool. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is really popular in in rock and in R&B because of that big bottom sound on it. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit when I'm recording, I normally use a P-Bass but just because the the bottom end of it is just so big sounding compared to a J-Bass. I mean, you can make the jazz bass sound like that, but it takes a lot more work. I mean, you're doing EQs and compressing and all this other stuff. If you guys want to listen to some famous P-Bass players, probably the most famous of all is James Jamerson. He played in um, all sorts of R&B stuff back in like the the 60s, late 50s. He basically was on every number hit. uh, Wow, every number hit. Every number one hit that came out of Motown. From number one to 5,000. Yep. (laughs) Kind of interesting. He was on a ton of them. Uh, so James Jamerson, and th- this is a really cool thing. So the reason I'm explaining this to you is so you can see all the differences that you can get out of a P bass. James Jamerson played with one finger on his right hand. He called it, it it's been called the hook. And if you listen to him, like listen to um, Marvin Gaye, the album What's Going On, he plays on that. It's incredible. He plays with one finger, and he played kind of close to the bridge to get a little bit more... Uh, life out of it a bit of a bite yeah to get a little more bite out of it and it's really cool thinking that you can get that without a j bass for a long time i thought he played a j bass because of his tone uh i would have taken a guess that that's what it was if you had quizzed me but mm -hmm. um at the same time like thinking of stevie wonder uh stuff they're really it's really calm on the low end and considering the time period that it came from, uh, that eventually I think I'd put two and two together. That warmer sound, that's probably going to be a P bass because this was around the time that the J bass and its, you know, its tone was also a popular thing. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he be taking advantage of that if he had the J bass? That that would have been my guess in the end but i would have had to take a a little bit to get around there because i would have thought of the style of music that he played in and then uh probably just went for the obvious one but in the end his low end it's just so strong and warm yet driving and groove that it makes sense that it's a p bass sound i don't -hmm. know if i've ever heard jameson like slap or anything like that so there's another bit of it yeah, that was way before slap became a thing. Yeah. Uh, so you brought up Stevie Wonder. Do you know who his bass player is? I thought it was Jameson for some nope. of it. 
Well, it might have been for a little bit. I don't, not much though. If it was, I thought it was on a, like on like superstition. No, that actually wasn't. Oh. Um, superstition was from Songs in the Key of Life, right? Oh, well, you got me on that one. I just know the songs. I don't remember which album. <laughs> uh, let me. Do, I'm gonna look that up on my phone real quick. I'm pretty sure that's from Songs in the Key of Life. It probably is. Because that's that album is just incredible. Hit, uh, Stevie Wonder's bass player is actually uh, Nathan Watts. Which Nathan okay. Watts, interesting story. He actually was about to quit playing because he couldn't make any money. He was downstairs living in his mom's basement at the time, and he needed. He was looking, applying for jobs, looking at different job options. When his mom called down and said, "Nathan, Stevie Wonder's on the phone," he was like. What? what what are you talking about? He comes up and Stevie Wonder's actually on the phone. And that was in 1974. The rest is history for him. Mm. Uh, what kind of bass do you think Nathan Watts normally played? Um, well, I'd probably go for the P. He actually was a jazz bass guy for the most part. Well, dang. Blah, 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 uh, blah. <laughs> oh, so Superstition actually is uh, a different album than what I thought. Um, I just remember a lot of the songs. I can never keep track of it because of the way Spotify organizes Stevie Wonder's albums. It's really yeah. confusing. So Superstition was actually before Nathan Watts started playing for him. So I don't know who played bass on that one. I could have sworn that I'd been told it was Jamerson. I'm really bad at remembering who played what on all these things because it's difficult to get that information accurately, especially... Um, from that time period and and jazz music like mm -hmm. a lot of the time I rely on what I remember from what like my mentors said in one rehearsal of who did what because right. sometimes it's unclear or there's mixed who actually did this and that I mean I, as much of a shame as it is to say it was quite a while before I actually knew that Bill Evans was in kind of blue yeah, that is just something that no one had ever said in front of me. And I was really embarrassed when I eventually looked it up and found that out. and was like, well, that makes absolutely perfect sense. And I don't know why I didn't even just know that from listening to the doggone thing. But it was something that I wasn't actually aware of. So things like this, it's like kind of throwing a, a coin at the wall and seeing what it lands on so it could have been jamerson and superstition i don't know i thought i'd heard that before and um the style works for jamerson anyway right. um but well there we go nathan watts isn't this... the nathan watts that guy oh wait no that's nathan east yeah nathan east yeah yeah uh, i remember that guy okay never mind <laughs> according to this article and I, again i'm not completely sure on this because it's wikipedia they can be great but uh, according to this, though, Stevie Wonder played the bass part on a Moog synthesizer. On You're Superstition, that's really a, according to that. I don't know for sure, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, bump, bump, bump. Uh, it's real fat sounding, and it doesn't have a lot of. Um, I mean, Look. it it doesn't really sound like a string instrument. You know, doesn't I guess. sound as flat. I never thought about that, but... All right, well, there we go. We learned something, you learned yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure on that. Don't quote me there, but that's what that research says. But, uh, yeah, uh, Nathan East... Or Nathan East. 
Nathan Sorry. Hughes also plays a jazz bass. Uh, Nathan Watts. Yes, he does. In pretty much every <laughs> photo I've ever seen, Nathan Watts have a J bass in his hand. Kind of interesting. And all the live stuff I've seen Nathan Watts do. Well, I've never seen him live, but all the YouTube stuff I've seen of him playing live, he's got a J bass in his hand. Um, mm. The next Pete bass person I want to talk about is the legendary Carol Kay. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, Matt. I know the name, but and I'm familiar from just reading stuff about bass before, but I will admit I have not looked that deeply into her. So she is, um, she's one of the most prolific session artists ever. Mm-hmm. So she, it's estimated they don't they don't know for sure, but her career lasted fifty years. It's estimated she played on ten thousand albums. Jeez. Or 10,000 recordings, not albums, excuse me. Uh, still, she played a P-Bass. Uh, Makes sense. I don't think she plays a P-Bass now. I think she plays more of like a Music Man style bass now. Uh, but for the most part, she was playing a P-Bass. Uh, get this, though. She actually plays with a pick. Every recording really? she's ever done, she plays with a pick. Well, She started out as a guitar player. Well, I guess that makes sense because it is easier for me to play bass with a pick, but I don't like how it sounds, so I don't do that. Yep. It's also fun to change things up. So. Yeah. Well, so she did it out of necessity. She was in a in the studio and sat down to play, and the bass player didn't show up. And uh, they were like, we need a bass player. Who's going to do it? And she's like, well, I, I guess I can do it. And the uh, producer hand or the engineer, somebody there handed her a P bass because that's what they had on the wall. And the rest is history for her. I mean, she played with Cher. I mean, she played with everybody. Mm. She's incredible. So check her out too. Uh, the next guy is a more of a rock guy than either of those two. So Jamerson and Carol Kay did more of the R&B scene. Carol Kay did do rock as well just because... So, and they lived on opposite coast. Carol Kay moved to LA. Um, mm-hmm. And... Jamerson was the uh, Detroit guy. So the next guy is Duck Dunn. I have absolutely no clue who that is, but nice name. So Duck Dunn, is he's pretty cool. I have an interesting story about Duck Dunn that... Go for it. I'm I'm pretty proud of. I, th- I think it's cool. You guys might not did care, you, but... Did you outplay him at a jam session? No, if only, right? No, I was at a I was at my day job, and uh, a client walks in, and I'm helping him, and we just start talking, and it turns out he's Duck Dunn's son. And it rhymes. It was pretty cool. So he was talking about how now they're trying to get rid of some books that he's written and stuff like that. They've got all this inventory; they can't move. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty. That was pretty fun for me, know, like getting to meet him. Um, so Matt, I I'm kind of surprised you don't know, never heard of Duck Dunn because he played I'm for sure Muddy Waters. All right, there we go. Well, I don't know why I would know his bass player, but there we go. Yeah, Muddy Waters, <laughs> uh, Clapton, Rod Stewart. Uh, but the big thing that he was is the Blues Brothers. Really? Yep. And in the uh, that movie, he played himself. Oh, hmm. 
yeah. don't remember that movie. I saw it on TV once when I was like in middle school or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what he was known for. But, I mean, playing with Clapton is pretty impressive, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah a little um, bit. The next two guys I know that you know. Uh, Sting and Duff McKagan. Sting, the most famous creeper of all time. Yep, and Duff McKagan played for Guns N' Roses. So, Which, honestly, if you'd quizzed me, I wouldn't have known that. But, of course, I know what Guns N' Roses is. Yeah. So, I I don't really have anything interesting to say about those guys. I just know they play P-Bases, and they sound awesome. So, it must be good, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the police, it always sounds good. Whether or not mm-hmm. you actually like the sound of their well, their music in general or not, it does sound good. Like, mm-hmm. you can turn on the police and just enjoy that it sounds nice whether or not yeah. you really enjoy it i always have i'm not a huge fan but yeah sounds good and he's a good bass player so yeah and they, they both those guys have that big fat sound the bottom end sounds really good really heavy part of that is by having a thousand speakers on the stage but the p bass i'm helps. sure yeah i mean when you ha- when you're playing next to uh uh what uh, slash you're gonna need a big loud sound because yeah. otherwise no one's ever going to know who you are well honestly though you know, like you go to a rock concert and you see like a wall of speakers. They got like eight speakers behind them or something. Only one of them is actually working. Most of the time, the rest are fake. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're just there for the look to make it look cool. They got the one speaker that's actually working for their stage noise, and everything else is coming through your PA system. Yeah. Uh, the next thing, so the jazz bass. I'm pretty. I used to be partial to the jazz bass. I used to really, really like the jazz bass. It is the tool of who I would call legends. Um, I mean, I guess those <laughs> other guys were legends, but these 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 guys are like my my personal heroes. I mean, uh, legends isn't. I don't think you have to preface that they just are. Yeah, they're definitely legends. I mean, not like not that the other guys weren't legends, because like Sting. I mean, Sting's a legend, but like these James, guys are my heroes. Yeah. So Marcus Miller. Uh, Jaco Pastorius, Victor Wooten. Uh, then the next two, not quite as my style, but Getty Lee and Flea. Heck yeah. Uh, Flea was also a J-Bass guy. So I think it's cool to point Very out that so. Getty Lee and Flea also played because they were also rockers. I mean, Flea, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were a little different, but still yeah, that little. rock sound. Um Miller, Pastorius, and Wooten are definitely from the jazz world, which is why it's called a jazz bass. Yeah, really. (laughs) So it's so interesting because if you listen to Marcus Miller, I can tell you it's Marcus Miller without knowing who's playing because of his sound. I know it's him. Mm -hmm. Um, Jocko, I could tell you if it's Jocko. I could tell you if it's Victor Wooten. Uh Getty Lee and Flea, not so much, but I haven't listened to them as much. Um, the jazz bass is known for having like a scooped sound in the middle. It still has that big bottom end, but it's got really clear highs. So it's really popular for slap bass. Right. Which is why, you know, Miller and Wooten are into that sort of thing. And uh, Flea as well. Um, it doesn't sit in the mix quite like a P bass, though. It's going to cut through a lot more aggressively, which is why it's so popular to be played with more intricate style music. Otherwise, it can sound too muddy sounding. So like Jaco Pastorius, 
he had all those 16th note runs, that real biting sound. If he played that on a P bass, it would sound horrible. Right. It wouldn't cut through the mix. Uh, Marcus Miller would not be Marcus Miller without the jazz bass. Same thing with Victor Wooten. Uh, it makes sense that Rhett, that Getty Lee and uh, Flea used it as well because their music was way more intricate from the bass player's perspective than a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, especially Getty Lee. That mm-hmm. I mean, Flea, Flea has his own thing, and he's very unique in his in his stuff. I, Red Hot Chili Peppers aren't really my thing. I'm not sure I believe it all fits together, but uh, Getty Lee and Rush for sure. Like that's. Mm-hmm some really in- incredible stuff. Like I know that you're not the biggest fan of, of the rush sound. I've gotten a lot more into it these days. It's really something that it's, uh, it's kind of like putting on classical music of putting it on to pay attention and listen to it and drown in it a little bit and just let it play and enjoy it because otherwise, um, I don't know. It's, it's not something that you just necessarily jam to in the Mm -hmm. car, like, uh, like a Marcus Miller stuff. Now, do you know if, uh, like, uh, Larry Graham, was he a a J bass guy or does he come before J bass? I am pretty positive. He is a J bass guy. I mean, if he, yeah, I I just don't know if he came before it. Okay. He's a J because I know guy. that's what he'd want to play. I just didn't know if that he kind of was a pioneer of the sound that turned into the J bass. I wasn't sure. Yeah, he's a J bass guy. Nathan East is a J bass guy. Oh yes, he is uh, most for certainly. sure. Um, Probably Stanley Clark too. Stanley Clark is definitely a J bass. I though I've seen Stanley Clark play a P bass as well. He likes to play lots of uh, lots of stuff, so uh, that doesn't really surprise me. I just know that he does a lot of uh, well, slappy slaps. Actually, I misspoke about Stanley Clark. I forgot. He doesn't play J-Bass. Uh, he, he plays he, an Alembic, which Alembic has their own style pickup. Oh, okay. That that yeah, brings so, me peace. I was about to say, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, his is different. And uh, Victor Wooten, I forgot. His new bass is a PJ. So it's got the precision pickup and a jazz pickup. So it's That's split. not that surprising either. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. Actually, my preference is to have a PJ. I really like the way the PJ sounds. Because then you still get the thickness of the J bass, or of the P bass, but you can get that sparkle. Yeah, because I think that's... I honestly am not sure, because I, I mean, I think the Warwick is a P bass, I think. Uh, no, <laughs> um, your Warwick, Warwick is like a Music Man style pickup. Okay, so like that one in the end, I'm not sure if I really want the the J or not. I because anytime I play the Warwick, I have fun with it because it feels good. It looks good, but I end up playing my fretless a whole lot more because I think I'm still partial to a really overly warm bass sound. (laughs) You would lean toward a P bass probably as far as sounds, but feel wise, you would much prefer the J bass. Mm-hmm. So J basses are known for having thinner necks, and, but a little bit heavier of a body than the P bass, so it balances out, so they don't lose that thickness on the bottom. Right. Um, that thin neck makes it really accessible to people like you, Matt, that are switching back and forth between guitar and bass. Amen. It also is helpful for me 
because I don't have very big hands. And sometimes a P bass is very difficult for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. uh, jazz basses have very, very different pickup systems than a P bass. And so instead of using one split coil pickup in the middle, they actually use two separate pickups that are both uh, single coil. One is on the neck and one is on the bridge. So you get a couple reasons why then when you think about the pickup system, there's a couple reasons why that pickup system results in a brighter sound. Uh, the first is the fact that they're single coil pickups, which always end up with a thinner, crunchier sound. And they'll pick up more of the higher frequencies. Uh, the excuse me. The next reason is the bridge pickup, which is located really close to the bridge, which results in that really bright sound. Even if you're not playing on the bridge, you're going to get more of the brighter sound than if you're mm -hmm. playing right on top of it. The other thing is, like right near the bridge is going to be have more of that high end because the strings are tighter there because you're so close. They can't vibrate as much. They aren't going to move quite as far. So your sound is going to be a little thinner, a little sparklier. Uh, J basses also typically have a EQ system on board and they're active needing batteries to be plugged in. P basses don't. So P basses are just a pickup with a volume and a tone, whether all the way on or all the way off. I always have mm -hmm. mine, both knobs all the way up. Maybe sometimes roll it back, roll the tone knob back a little bit if I need a little bit less of the high end. Uh, J bass, though, you tend to have volume for one pickup, volume for the other pickup, and then a three band, sometimes a four band EQ on board as well. So you have a lot of buttons, a lot of knobs, a lot of switches. Sometimes you can switch them from active to passive, which is what my bass does. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a lot more complicated, but you get a very wide range of tones that you can create as a result of it. So you can scoop the mid-range out, you can boost the bass, you can cut the treble out and make it sound like a P bass. Uh, I actually think a J bass is probably more versatile than a P bass hmm. because of that, but you're never going to get a true P bass sound out of a J bass. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Like definitely. you can turn off the, I've tried this before, you can turn off the bridge pickup only turn on the neck pickup, uh, boost the bass a little bit, cut the highs a little bit, and the mids, it depends on what type of mid-range EQ that you have. Some mid-range EQs are sweepable like mine, so I can select what frequency I'm changing by a knob. My other bass is a switch, so I have three different frequencies to choose from. Uh, sometimes you have to adjust the mids, and you can get pretty close to a P bass sound. Uh, a P bass, you'll never get a jazz bass sound. It's just not going to happen. So right. it's, it's really nice. Um, but what are those aren't the only two options out there though? Um, and but the other question is, you know, what should you play? So it's not a super simple question to answer. It basically boils down to what kind of music do you play? What sound do you need? And what are your personal preferences? So mm -hmm. I prefer the feeling of a J bass. Uh, it just feels better to me than a P bass. A P bass just does not feel right. The neck is a little too wide for me. I just have a harder time navigating it. Uh, but a lot of times I prefer the P bass sound for what I'm doing. 
the sharpness of the J bass sometimes is too much. So like right now in my in my musical life, I find myself playing different music than I found myself playing five years ago, unfortunately. So five years ago, <laughs> the J bass was like the thing for me. I mean, I was playing in the jazz bands. We were playing a lot of Latin music. We were playing a lot of, we we're trying to play a lot of fusion. We were starting to do that sort of thing. The J bass was perfect. Now I play more of the more of church music for the most part, uh, which P bass just fits better for church music in my opinion than a J bass. Sure, but you can definitely make the J bass work. Uh, the P bass has a sound that checks all the boxes for what I need. You know, it's just a little bit better. Um, so then you have to ask yourself. Well, what is more important? Do you need to sound more or do you need to feel more? And if you're not worried about uh, price as much and you're willing, you, you can afford to get different, uh, different pedals and EQs and stuff like that, then I don't think it really matters as much. Just go with something that's comfortable for you. Uh, the other thing, though, is are you spending a lot of time in the studio? I mean, if you're spending a lot of time in the studio, you kind of have to have a P-Bass. You really should have both if you're spending a lot of time in the studio. And just bring Willis yeah. with you every time because you never know. Uh, my favorite thing is the PJ style. So I have a precision pickup on the neck and a jazz pickup on the bridge. That, to me, is like the best of both worlds because I still have that fullness but a little bit of sharpness. And mine, my PJ bass has a thinner neck profile so i get the neck profile of the jazz bass but i get all the benefits of the p bass that to me is like the best of both worlds is that your sire yep yeah my sire bass so sire is marcus miller's new signature he dropped fender a couple of years ago um he has he's he plays the sire j bass uh, the v7 vintage i'm pretty sure is the one that he tours with so they have the the V series bass, then they have the P series, which is what I have. And so that's the it's not a true P bass, that's the P bass P pickup with the J pickup. Now you can turn just a P pickup on or just a J pickup. You know, it has a three band EQ, the sweepable mids, you can do all sorts of stuff with it. Then they have the modern series bases, which the modern series use two humbucking pickups. So two like Matt, like your soap bar pickups that you have on your court. So they're not real jazz pickups because they're running, they're not single coil. They're, they're dual coil, but they still are, they're positioned like a jazz pickup. Gotcha. So he's got the modern or the M series bases, which do that. The modern style like that is really cool. It's definitely, I would say it's probably the most versatile option. Uh, it's not as popular in studios though, because it doesn't fit with what producers like to hear uh there is also the music man style pickup which is what your warwick has uh if you guys know who Ju joe dart is you will know what the uh, music man bass sounds like it's awesome it's incredible mm -hmm. but it doesn't fit everything it's a really like matt you probably can attest to this with your warwick it's a more aggressive sound it, yeah, very it much bites. So. It doesn't have that real nice warmth to it. It doesn't have the woodiness to it. It just does not fit every style of music. Now, like your Warwick has the EQ on board, so you can make it work uh, a little bit better, but still not 
as well as if you just had the flat out P bass. So it's a little bit, a little bit different. If you're playing like Joe Dart though, and you've got your band Wolfpack and you're doing your own thing, then shoot, man, get whatever you want because that's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also another style of bass that Matt, you've probably never heard of before. Um, I really want one just to say that I have one, but I don't know what I would do for it. Uh, instead of <laughs> using magnets for your pickups, it has a really big bridge that has infrared lasers above each string pointed down at the string and then a sensor underneath of the strings that reads the vibration of the string through the infrared laser. And that is really cool because of you get nearly infinite sustain because think about it when you when you hit a string what it does the way it works is the metal string shakes back and forth and your pickups are creating a a small magnetic field that magnetic field is getting messed up by your metal string running through it so you've got a magnet pulling on your string which is going to cause your string to stop vibrating Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why you're sustained and if I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Matt, but I've had pickups. I had one bass where the pickups were really, really, really strong on it. It was super, super loud. Uh, I had, like, no sustain on that bass because it would pull against the string and make it stop vibrating. Hmm. This, because you only have that waveform on there, it never, it basically doesn't stop, which is really cool. The harmonics sound absolutely beautiful on it, but you have to be really, really skilled to play it. And you have to be super conscious about muting because you will have overtones ringing constantly and people will hate you. Uh, One huge, other huge advantage of it, though, is that you will never have buzzing from your system that is not a string vibrating because you don't have any grounding issues. Right. So Hmm. it's really cool for pit music because you'll never have that. Uh, What I don't know about it, though, is I don't know what it sounds like because... That's there's no analog stuff going on with that. Like it's immediately going to be transferred to a digital signal. At least in my head, that's what would happen. I don't know for sure. So I don't yeah, know what don't the know. sound would be. I've never played one. I want one, but there, I, I can't spend a thousand dollars on a bass right now, especially not during mm-hmm. all this COVID nineteen mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting because I, I haven't heard anything like that for guitar i'm sure it's out there mm-hmm. if it is out they've there. done it for uh for bass but i i know that they've done the um the pickups that you can kind of just um take out and put a new pair in mm-hmm. um there's a specific company it has a really weird name it, i almost think it's a vegetable of some sort uh if you guys out there are into gear and such then you probably already know what i'm talking about but it's like you can remove the back of it take the pickups out put new ones in close it and bam you have a completely different sound for your guitar and i've um, seen that yeah and it's really interesting and expensive and it sounds good from what i've seen like on youtube and and such but i mean you know those sorts of gimmicks it's rather they'll catch on and they'll just be the new norm and then you don't really have a significant price increase for right. a lot of stuff or it's just a gimmick that you'll pay out a lot of money for and gimmicks tend to not last forever and have their issues. 
Yeah. They, they have their limitations because it's like, oh, well, can you do this thing? Um, no, because of this odd little caveat of my instrument. No, I cannot. And then you're like, well, then why do you have that thing? And the answer is, because it's cool, man. Yeah. I'm like, all right, but I'm not going to hire you again. <laughs> now, I, I honestly think, though, in my opinion, that when it comes to guitars or basses or whatever it is that, you're, that you play, I think that the tone or the type of... I think that the type of instrument that you have, the type of gear that you have matters way less than a lot of people put stock into. Because oh, yeah. if you yeah, are a great bass player and you roll up with a J bass, but they want that P bass sound, who cares? They're going to, they're going to want you back because you're awesome. If you know, or vice versa, if you are a great bass player and you roll with a P bass and they really wanted that jazz bass sound, well, they are still going to hire you again. If you blew their minds with your playing and if you did the tricks, because uh, tone is all in your fingers. So you can control so much about your tone with how you hit the strings. Even your left hand affects your tone. You can do string muting. You can do all sorts of stuff with, with, with your hands to make really good tone come out of any instrument. Which is why my students get mad at me sometimes when they try to play things like I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty amazing, though when you think about it, it's just, there's so much skill involved. Like I saw Victor Wooten, um, in, in a YouTube clip, he was at Nam. I saw him demoing Marcus Miller's bass. Well, it didn't sound like Marcus Miller playing, even though it was Marcus Miller's bass. It sounded like Victor Wooten playing. Amazing mm -hmm. enough, right? You know, uh, I've seen that with so many, with other musicians too, where they pick it up and it sounds great. Or you've seen drummers play on like little, kid drum sets and it still sounds good you're like what? what the heck yeah that thing sounds terrible but they make it sound good because of their technique and how they affect it so mm -hmm. i what would i recommend for my our listeners to get if they're looking to get something honestly what i would recommend you do is you go to your local guitar store or bass store even though you probably won't have a lot of basses there i would still go and check it out first and i would play as many basses as you can so I would try the jazz bass and I would try to I would try to play like more than one jazz bass. So like if you can get a Squire jazz or a Fender jazz or an Ibanez that has a J style pickup, I'd play all three. And I'd play all three through one amp and all three through another amp and all three through another amp because you want to hear I mean, because the, the amp will affect your sound, but you want to feel, okay, how comfortable am I with this? What do I like the sound? And then pick up a P bass and play P basses at different price points too and see what you think. I had the opportunity a few months ago to actually fly up to Fort Wayne, Indiana and visit Sweetwater. And Matt, I went to their bass room while I was there. And Ooh. man, I'll tell you, this was the best bass room I've ever been to. It had so many options. I played. I got to play on an Aguiar amp, which I've been wanting to do for so long. I compared an Aguiar to a uh, to a GK to a Roland, all right next to each other. And I pulled down a bunch of basses. And I, I think I played ten different basses while I was there, something like that. And mm -hmm. I went back to the P bass every time. That was the one that I liked the most as far as the sound. The feel of it was not always perfect for me but the sound was so good i'm willing to adapt my i was willing 
to get over that because I love the sound so much. You know, I can adjust my, my technique to fit that instrument if that sound was, was perfect. And it really was. As many basses I played that day, I, I kept going back to it. I mean, I played a Music Man, which I didn't like. Uh, I played a... Oh, gosh, I can't even remember all of them that I played. It was so much fun. I know I played a high-end Fender P bass, and I played a high-end Fender J bass. I played a Hofner-style bass, or an actual Hofner, the violin bass. Mm-hmm. I played the Ibanez Soundgear-style Um there was there were a couple more I can't remember them all but I kept going back to the P bass I just something about it I really liked so I would recommend you do that try them all out and see which one you really like what it boils down to for you because I can't answer for you I can just tell you what my preference is um, so let's get back to that trivia question from earlier which uh, which bass was which was Number one, the jazz bass, or was number two the jazz bass? The world may never know. Yeah, because we're not going to tell you. No. Yeah, just go find it, figure it out yourself. Yeah, it's just, you have to guess and hope you're right, and you know, you'll just have to live with it. You might think forever that a J bass is a P bass, and then turn it out you're wrong later because we never told you the answer. You might think James Jamerson was Stevie Wonder's bassist and find out that you're dumb. <laughs> he might have. Now, James Jamerson did play for the Jackson 5. That I did know. Yeah, that yeah. that's pretty cool. Like the song Darlin' Dear. Oh, that bass line's perfect. Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> so, which one was which? Well, if you thought that bass number one was a P bass, you'd be mistaken. Bass number one is the jazz bass. Number two is the P bass. So, if you listen to them again, you will hear the jazz bass has a little bit more bite to it. The P bass has that bigger bottom end. Hopefully, we did justice describing them, and you can actually hear that. Uh, so, And if you got it right, then go find a yellow marker and draw a nice gold star on your hand. Good yeah. job. Clap, clap, clap. And then go to justthebasics.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. And also download or get the track so you can play a solo over top of our intro. Send it to us because we really, really want to hear all of your playing. uh, And we want to showcase it. We want to let everybody else hear your playing too. So let us know. Go ahead and fill that out, please. I'm begging you. It'd be awesome. And if you like, if you have some kind of a setup but you're still intimidated by it and you're not really sure how to use it and by setup i mean a way of recording audio then um just email us ask us questions we're willing to answer help if we can we don't know everything about sound we just know enough to you know get by and make some stuff for ourselves and have some fun but if you really know nothing in this world at all about it but you do have the gear to do it then we can at least help you out a little bit i helped a friend uh in virginia i live in pennsylvania by the way uh help her get set up because she wasn't sure what she needed to have a little audio setup and it's usually super easy if you uh, ask every question in the world you'll overcomplicate it but as long as you keep things straightforward and basic and don't spend too much money usually you can get a setup that will be totally good enough for what you need to get your sound recorded and don't feel like um oh i don't know if my instrument will really fit this ah 
If you have a way of recording it, you have a way to send it to us. I was making a joke that our buddy from uh, back in college should send us a melodica solo so that we can uh, torture your eardrums for about 30 seconds. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode. I might hurt his feelings. <laughs> he loves that thing so much. I mean, he made it work, though. He made it work. I, it is kind of wonderful. It's it's just a you know a good old gag to hate on it. Yeah, the sound is kind of the sounds kind of gimmicky, but man, he could play. Whew, oh, that dude yeah. can play, and it doesn't have to be guitar or bass solo. We want to hear pianists and trumpet players and saxophone players. I would love to hear some horns on this, guys. Or heck, man, if you play violin, let us know. Send it in. That'd be awesome. If you play an accordion, send it in. Yeah. If you play drums, well, then you might not have had the attention span to get this far. Oh, yeah, that's 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 probably true. But especially though, in all honesty, though, if you are a drummer, um, I would love to contact you maybe because the drums I am using, to be honest, they're it's the Logic drummer. Oh no, so um, I would love to get some real drums from a real player on there. So let me know and get in contact with me. We want to swap that out. Yeah. And since you're going to be at justabasics.com anyways, go ahead and click that link at the bottom of the big orange bar that says become a patron and check out our Patreon page if you really like us. And we got some cool stuff on there. We're going to be doing a bonus episode every month for you guys. So check that out as well. You won't want to miss next week's episode. We are going to be going through side A of Childish Gambino's newest album. Which is called? I don't remember. I believe it's three fifteen twenty. Three fifteen twenty. Yeah, it has very. Is odd that the date titles, it was dropped at? So, yes, yeah, okay. it is. Interesting. I think it's three fifteen twenty, but um, it has a real name. He went really weird with it, so there's like inside of the coding, the there's a true name or something like that. Whatever it was, it was uh, stuff for smarter people than me to figure out because it was all digital. Hoobie Wadi. It's uh it's really good. We'll have a lot of fun talking about it. I don't know exactly what Tommy will think of all of it. And if you guys listened to last week, you know that I certainly love when I have no idea or I just totally know and I'm just waiting to see that reaction. I'm hoping that he doesn't really talk to me about it because uh, you already know I'm psyched about this album and super into it. So we'll have some, some fun. Some good old yucks. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Have a good one. See ya.